0: Mentorship is the fast track to success. All of my kids have been mentored by by me and my wife, but f- f- specifically me with respect to the rich habits and to you know um, and to business, business related stuff. And when my son called to start the real estate investment business, uh, I knew exactly what to do. But-
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Sham, and in this episode, we're back with Thomas Corley, the best-selling author of Rich Habits and self-confested brain expert. He unpacks his distinctive property experience, explains the psychological aspect of forging habits and unwraps how applying the habits of the wealthy inevitably boosted him towards success in business and investments. Continue on the compelling topic of developing habits, Corley expounds on how the big why of people impacts the trajectory of a person's life.
0: Almost 100% of the time, the why was was, uh, some dream or goal that they had. Now, it might have been a dream or goal that a parent instilled in them as a child. You know, you could be the president of the United States or you could, Tom, you could be uh, a professor at school. or uh, You could be a CPA or you could be an attorney. You know, know. so it was some type of dream or goal that was somebody planted a seed in their head. And that seed uh, maybe lay dormant, uh, uh, but at some point it, it... you know, it sprung open and they started pursuing dreams and goals that they had. And those dreams and goals were the thing that created the blueprint for the life that they desired. They, they had this dream of uh, the type of life that they wanted. And, and the why might might be because they grew up, most people come from poverty or the middle class. So it might have been, um, you know, the, the upbringing, but that, that doesn't answer it because really most people come from poverty in the middle class. I think what happens al- along the way is you stumble into somebody who uh, plants a seed in your head uh, that becomes a dream or a major goal. I, I think that that's what happens. Uh, I think that's the why, and uh, and and then you, you know you might devote the rest of your life to pursuing th- that dream.
1: To further clarify what he means, Corley readily takes an example from the pages of his own life
0: when I was approached after I had done my research and we had some of these training sessions, I had always taught at night. That was one of my, even while I was running the CPA firm, I taught at graduate school uh, taxes. So I was a teacher. I, I just liked being a teacher. And so, so I taught these uh, learning sessions about, I taught my rich habits learning sessions. I did that for about 18 months and then I, I had some of the students in the sessions had such success that they, um, they nagged me into writing a book and uh, I had, you know, I was like, so that became a dream, right? Uh, Tyrone, that, that became a dream. And so then I, I, that required about six months of studying how to write a book. I, I must've read about a dozen books on how to write a book before I even started writing a book. And once I said, to myself that this is easier it seems easier than studying for and passing the CPA exam I, I made that that realization at some point and I said yeah I could do this and I did in my book rich habits uh, it, was, it was a huge success and in fact it was you know Amazon has all of these different in different countries they have uh, uh, these locations you know t- huge huge online uh, presence. like, so Australia has an, an Amazon and the U S has an Amazon and Canada has one. And in the U S and one month, my book was uh, had, had uh, risen to number seven in all books in the United States. I was ahead of Tony Robbins. I was ahead of Susie Orman. I was ahead of uh, the, the woman who wrote Harry Potter, you know, for like a month. And I said, wow, uh, I, I, you know, like my dream kind of came true. Then I realized, yeah, I, uh, I am a, I am a, an author now, and I'm a writer, and I'm a successful one at that. So that was, uh, you know, you follow your dreams because you never know where they're going to take you. I'm talking to you. I'm in the United States. You're in Australia, and we're talking because I wrote a book. I wrote seven books, but um, my point is, it starts starts with one one thing. Take one step, and so yeah, this is uh, this is what the why I think is the somebody somewhere along the line plants a seed in your head and and that seed s- starts to grow. and uh, that, that was kind of how it happened for me.
1: With all the discoveries he's unearthed in his journey to become a brain expert, Corley outlines the rich habits he has acquired and implemented and shares the positive impact they've made in his own daily life.
0: Ironically, one of the habits that most of the wealthy people had this, particularly the self-made millionaires, which were 177 of them, uh, individuals, uh, they got up early. They got up usually about three hours earlier than they needed to get up. Uh, they, and during those three hours, they did st- They did things that, uh, had nothing to do with, with their core business, but they had, they were pursuing goals and dreams that were sort of outside their core business or ancillary to, uh, their, their their core business. Uh, so that was one. I started, I started getting up early. Uh, the other thing they did is they read to learn. Uh, and, and I, you know, as a CPA and a tax expert, I had, I always had to do reading, but I, you know what I did, Tyrone, is I, I, I bundled it. And so I would, I would let it accumulate. And then I would, I, you know, I would get to the point of disgust and then I would spend uh, half a day just reading through everything. And that's, uh, not what the wealthy in my study did. They, they read 30 minutes or more every single day to learn. So I, I said, well, you know, I'm going to do 60 minutes a day. And that's what I've been doing ever since. I, I still do that to this day. And and that, so that, that was the other thing was they, they were on board of directors of nonprofit groups, a lot of them. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't do any of that. So I ended up um, joining a couple. I helped organize a, a, um, a business group in my in my uh, town and that became very successful and so I was of course on the board there and then I uh, helped with a, a nonprofit and we helped grow that nonprofit from a hundred thousand to a half a million a year and um, and I'm still on uh, I'm the president of that nonprofit so I still so so I said yeah they're doing it I'm gonna do it and interestingly uh, probably about 25% of the clients that I have right now, the CPA and the financial planning clients, they are, they come from just those two organizations that I was on the board of. Yeah. So, so it's, uh, it, it was well worth it and it was, it was, uh, good advice from the wealthy people. So I, you know, and then the other thing I did was I, I tried to, um, understand how to, the wealthy built strong, powerful relationships with other success minded people, how they did it, what the hello call, happy birthday call, life event call. They, they networked, but they networked in their own way. They didn't go to these networking events. Like a lot of people are taught that you have to do. They, they didn't do that. None of them did that. They did their own sort of networking, uh, unique to them that met that, that, um, they felt comfortable doing. Uh, and so, uh, I, I think I started adopting those habits. I already had an exercise habit, so that was the one habit that I had. Uh, that, that And I was constantly studying anyway, but it was in bursts. You know, I'd have to study for my my ma- master's in tax. I, that was took me three years. I had to study for my CPA exam. That took me a year and a half. I had to study for my CFP. That took a year. My uh, other security licenses, that took two years. So I did this in bursts. But what what the... My research did is it transformed uh, my study from bursts to consistency. I consistently read to learn every single day. And, and now I'm much more knowledgeable than I've ever been in my life, uh, technically. And, and I attribute that to that rich habit, reading to learn.
1: Encouragingly and without skipping a beat, Cawley dishes out the achievable and logical steps one can take to get started in developing rich habits.
0: I'm going to give you two two things. One is the law of association, we're going to talk about that. And the second one, which I'll talk about, um, is you have to baby step your way into habits. Uh, and by baby step, I mean, if you're, let's say you, you're listening to this, say, yeah, I want to read to learn. And Tom's doing 60 minutes a day. Wow, uh, I'm going to do that. You'll, you'll fail. Uh, I started out at 20 minutes a day. I worked up to 30, and now I'm at 60. Uh, my recommendation is to start out at 10 minutes. If it's exercise you want to do, 10 minutes of exercise. If it's reading to learn, 10 minutes of reading to learn. Uh, so any habit that you want to forge that requires, it, most habits require some type of activity, physical activity, uh, you would, uh, uh, take a baby step on that. Now, why? The physiology, the way the brain works is uh, if if you were to jump in and say, I'm going to forge this 60-minute-a-day habit, in about two weeks, you'll lose that war with the brain. Because what happens is, the, in order to forge a habit, the brain has to marshal resources. The brain cannot store glucose, which is the primary fuel and uh, if it and if the glucose isn't available, then it relies on ketones, which come from fat. But either way, that fuel has to come from somewhere. The body has to create it somehow. So the brain will say, "Hey, uh, hey Tyrone, I know you wanted to do 60 minutes a day, but we're tired of having to reach out into the body to." Um, to get this glucose to forge this habit. So we're going to do everything in our power. The brain is saying this to you to stop you from engaging in this habit. So those baby steps, what it does is it allows you to forge uh, a habit is a set as a group of neurons that talk to, to each other creates a synapse. Uh, So in a 10 minute activity, the brain is, is not going to put up the white flag, It's not going to even notice it. It's going to be below the radar. So now you've got this 10 minute a day synapse getting stronger with each day. And so after about two months, that synapse will be formed. Then you could increase it 15 minutes to 15 minutes. There'll be no fight from the brain. Then you could do 20 the next month, 25. The synapse will, will, the, the brain doesn't have to reach out to get glucose to form that synapse because it's already formed through the baby step process. So you're, you're not going to get a fight from your brain. If you try to do too much, the brain will stop you and it will win a hundred percent of the time it will win. That's why almost everybody who, who makes these new year's resolutions, they, they almost everyone fails. Almost everyone. It's probably like, like two or 3% that succeed. It's uh, it, you just can't, you just can't bite off more than you can chew. And uh, that applies to habits. It has to be, you have to baby step. The second way is to, if you know, if you want certain habits that you don't have, if you want to forge certain habits, you surround yourself with the type of people that have already have those habits. So if you want to forge the exercise habit, even though you're only going to the gym 10 or 15 minutes a day, go to the gym and meet the people in the gym. And then you'll become, you'll, you'll have friends. I have a guy that's 84 years old. He he is in better shape than Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, he is sharp as a tack. He looks like he's 58 years old. Yeah. And he's constantly giving me advice, constantly. And, and um, so he's become kind of a mentor to me. So now I, I, I have this friend. I've had other friends that, that you know, so you, what you do is you, you start meeting these people that you like and they start infecting you with their habits because habits spread like a virus throughout your social networks. There's plenty of studies on this, and it was found, it was, uh, found in one particular study, uh, an obesity study. They were doing a study on obesity, and what they found out that was something like 55 to 60% of the people in the inner circle of, of an obese per- person were obese. So their their the habits spread like a virus through your social networks. So associate with the people that have the habits that you want, and baby step those habits.
1: Yep, and it makes absolute sense. It's very similar to the the same theory that um you know who you associate the five people that you talk with this you know associate with you on a daily basis is become you know your your basically what you become you know and, and that, that's so true.
0: But it doesn't have to be five people, Tyrone. It could be groups. So you could have like I had a tennis group. I have my CPA group. I have my financial planning group. And so I wanna, I wanna associate myself with people who have habits in those groups. So, so I'm not just, you know, meeting anyone willy nilly. I say, oh, I like John and I like Chris and Joe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and create situations where I'm around them more often. So I make an effort to, uh, to do that.
1: Getting even more into the meat of the subject. Corley defines what keystone habits are and how they naturally help you break bad habits along the way to a better life.
0: This is the beauty of habits. Uh, and that I wrote Rich Habits uh, to highlight the 10 what I call keystone habits. Keystone habits are different from like brushing your teeth habits, right? They affect all uh, so many different parts of your life, Like like exercising daily is a keystone habit. So what if you can forge a one keystone habit, what happens is that keystone habit will create complementary habits and will destroy contradictory habits. Keystone habits are that powerful. So you don't need to worry about getting rid of bad habits. Just worry about forging a keystone habit like exercising or reading, uh, learning, uh, reading to learn every day. Forge a key one keystone habit and what will happen is other complementary habits will sprout up and then the contradictory habit will die on the vine. Uh, so it let's and this is I've written about this because it's a real life story. One of the uh, successful people in my study had uh, was o- overweight, obese, and they started uh, walking every day. It was a woman and uh she only started with like 10 minutes a day. She built it up to 20. And then in a year, she was uh, running five miles. In two years, she was running uh, marathons. Uh, she also stopped smoking. She stopped eating in excess. She moderated her drinking. She liked to drink a lot of wine. So she moderated her drinking. And she, she was always thinking, I I got to I, I don't want to drink too much because I want to run tomorrow. Yes. And I don't want to smoke because that uh, – it, it, It reduces, it impairs my, my time and I'm going for a time on this race. So they, these, these, uh, keystone habits create these complementary habits that are like attack the bad habits. They just go after them naturally. They, they get rid of them naturally. You don't have to worry about getting rid of your bad habits. Only worry about forging one or two keystone habits a year. Uh, and, um, you'll see all these other ha- good habits sprout up and all the bad habits just fall, fall to the wayside.
1: Now, looking back to the days before he began investing, Corley lays down the foundation and tells the story of how and why he eventually got his skin in the property game.
0: My wife and I were we were just starting out in life and we bought a condo, then we bought another condo and then, uh, then we upgraded to a house. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, when I took over the helm of my CPA firm, uh, they, I had clients that had about a hundred million dollars worth of real estate, uh, inve- you know, real estate rentals, uh, apartments. So we, we kind of, um, we, we came very close to being property managers, but we, I, I stopped to the point of the accounting, right? So we were doing all of their bookkeeping, cutting their checks, doing their payroll, Uh, I didn't want to be calling uh, the repairman or taking phone calls at night uh, because the tenant's gas heat went off. So, you know, but we thought long and hard about that. Uh, I had a friend that was in the business and uh, he was uh, he had he had no Saturdays and Sundays uh, free of worry he had always phone calls to deal with, with the property management business. So I didn't want that. I wanted to be in control of my time. So, but we do, you know, we, I became an expert in in real estate, uh, particularly the, the tax and accounting behind real estate investing. And it's not just rental properties. It's, uh, it's, you know, uh, tenants in common property. It's a part, uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, 10 story buildings, 20 story buildings, uh, we had all, we had a real estate investor clients that had, you know, uh, part ownership of, of, of a building in Chicago or, or uh, you know, these they call them triple net leases where they did nothing, but they owned the land. The client owned the land. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot from my clients uh, about real estate. I, I learned I learned enough of it that, you know, I. We, my, my son, I taught him and now he started a real estate investment, uh, firm. He's got six partners in it and they bought their first property th- this year. Uh, let's see this, this year, they bought it last year. Uh, I think last year. So they're going to buy another property this year, another one in the year after. And, you know, they're just going to are young enough where they can, uh, he, he, you know, that's where, that's where, uh, there's somewhat of a disadvantage and, and, with my life in that uh, uh, you know, if you have people mentoring you uh, you can it's, it's the fast track to success. Mentorship is the fast track to su- success. All of my kids have been mentored by, by me and my wife, but f- f- specifically me with respect to the rich habits and to, you know um, and to business, business related stuff. And when my son called to start the real estate investment business. Uh, I knew exactly what to do because I had, you know, started a stock investment business. Um, we had, you know, 125 people at one point point. we had quite a bit of money in there. So, uh, I knew a lot, a lot about that. And I, t- I told him how to do it. And now he's becoming successful in it. It's uh, real estate is probably the number one f- followed immediately by equities. Um, uh, of the of the assets that the wealthy people had in my my study.
1: When he weighed the details between the different types of property investments, Corley eventually ended up with research-backed opinions on what he deems as the best and the worst kinds of investments.
0: What uh, I learned is, uh, ticks, tenant in common properties, and real estate investment trusts uh, are are probably the worst real estate investments that you can make uh, because uh, you have no control over the property. The best real estate investment that you can make is in real estate that you have total control over that. You don't have a a management company that can borrow millions and millions of dollars off of a 50-story skyscraper uh, that you're a part owner in, uh, like a tick or a REIT, a real estate investment trust. I've had clients in in real estate investment trusts who uh, were supposed to be exited by contract in five years and they have to wait 20 years. So, yeah, so it's kind of, I I learned that from from my clients that uh, the best type of investment, real estate, real estate investment is that which you control. Now, the best subcategory of that is um, not so much, I would say commercial, if it's special use property. Special use property is where uh, that building is perfect for a doctor or a CPA firm. Uh, but you can't have a CPA firm and a hairdresser. You know, it's, it just doesn't work. So the building has has to be specific. Uh, somebody that buys special use property will pay a premium because it fits their needs, like a bank where they'll look at a building and say, well, that that building is perfect for our, our, our bank. So they'll buy it and they'll pay a premium on it. Uh, whereas a, you know, four or five uh, uh, tenants, one being a hairdresser, one being a, you know, a dentist and one being something else, uh, the, the, the commercial property doesn't have as much value. So I would say with respect to commercial property, special use property, the second best real estate investment that I've seen my clients make is property that is um, uh, shore or beach property, uh, or or va- va- let's just call vacation type properties. Could be by a lake, by the ocean. It could be on uh, a mountain for skiing. Those properties are great because you never have to chase uh, the tenants. They pay first before they get they get the key. Uh, so that that's why I like uh, the, the, my clients um, and a lot of the rich habits, real estate investors, they seem to have those two types of properties, special use commercial property uh, and um, vacation type properties that they rented out, you know, for a week period, a period of a week at a time or a weekend or whatever.
1: Like an Airbnb, I guess you can say.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Coming up after the break, Corley opens up about a vulnerable moment in his life and shares the phone call that turned everything around.
0: I journal and in my journal, I was like, I wouldn't mind dying right now. I really wouldn't mind dying.
1: The effective strategy he boldly implemented to get himself out of a huge rut in his career.
0: It worked. I I was on 150 radio stations. Uh, I spoke to, I don't know, 50 million people over the course of a, uh, a year and a half,
1: He explains how the fruitful marriage between achieving your goals and living with a vision works and why it's all worth looking into.
0: Having a clear vision of where you want to be, say 10 years from now or 20 years from now, is more important than intelligence, more important than work ethic.
1: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Although he has reached peak success and is still making positive ways all over the world, Corley still paints an honest picture of his past. He impacts one of the lowest points of his life.
0: 2011 is, is the worst worst year uh, in recent memory. The CPA firm was, was doing okay but it wasn't growing like I wanted it to grow so I was frustrated. I was just starting the financial planning business at that time. and. That wasn't going according to plan. Rich Habit had had come out in, uh, in March of 2010. I sold nothing, no books, maybe 15, 20 books, family and friends. Not even family and friends were buying my book. Uh, 2011 was uh, a, a, probably the worst year that I can remember. And I really think I wanted to just, if if I could just erase my life and start all over, if I could hit a button, I would have done that. But you can't in life, right? Uh, But that was the year I just didn't want to be alive. I really did. To be honest with you, I would say I, I would, I was I journal and in my journal, I was like, I wouldn't mind dying right now. I really wouldn't mind dying. You know, and it wasn't like I was suicidal. I just preferred death over living because because of the adversity Every day was a new struggle and new problem and new disappointment. Uh, I remember I must have spent 500 hours calling and emailing uh, the media to try and uh, share with them my my rich habits research and my book. And uh, I just I got turned down 100 percent of the time, not even once. It was the first time really somebody said yes was Yahoo Finance and that was in uh and I would say that was um, April of 2013 so my books were doing nothing my book was doing nothing wasn't selling and then uh somebody I but I wrote every day I was trying to write every day and share my research through my blog and uh somebody who was uh the host of a very popular Yahoo finance show had me on, on they and they brought their whole uh, TV crew in uh, and they interviewed me and I was like a loaded spring Tyrone. They had no idea what they were, what they were getting themselves into when they walked into because I had been a man stuck in a cave for three years and they walked in and they, they allowed me a little bit of a glimmer to the outside world. Uh, but what happened was, what, it, it was amazing. The, the interview, which got released in, uh, in July of 2013, uh, went viral. It had two million hits in 24 hours. They had never had more than 400,000 hits on their, on any show that they had done over a six year period. They had two million hits. And one of the hits was a guy named Dave, Dave Ramsey, who was a, the, the third largest radio host in the United States. Uh, so I was supposed to be off for five minutes. He had me off for 30 minutes. He loved my research and uh, I was exposed to 8 million people. And The rest really is history that uh, my book took off and it's continued to sell. It's right now. It's selling really well in China. Uh, in particular, I think it had some success in Vietnam, although I have not seen one dollar of royalty from Vietnam. I don't know what's going on there. But China's China's they, they, they are good business people China. Uh, so, they're legit, you know, they're, they're, they're ethical. So I've had success uh, in you know, different countries and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about as happy as you can get.
1: Corley further explains how positive habits can change one's life for the better. In fact, he credits a habit he implemented in 2012 as one of the reasons he was able to push through a difficult period in his life.
0: Habits do two things, one is they remove the need for discipline. And they remove the need for emotion to engage in the habit. It's a habit. You're going to engage in it whether you want to or not, once it's forged. So that's the good thing about habits. So I was getting up every day and doing the same thing every day. And I felt like a rat on a treadmill, to be honest with you. And I was thinking to myself, these habits are are not serving me. Uh, You know, the the habit of one of the things that did save me uh, in 2012 from quitting because I did want to quit this whole rich habits stuff uh, was um, that uh, someone uh, one of the people in my study. I went back over the research and I stumbled on this. You know how you, you can miss something you read some a book four times and every time you get something different out of it. Well, I was reading this, this person's folder case folder and I was and I noticed that they were in the real estate agent business and they were very successful. And, uh, they, a little thing that sk- that, you know, fell beneath the radar that I didn't pick up on until 2012. And they had created something called uh, a rejection goal, a daily rejection goal. And uh, what they did was every day they had to get rejected 10 times. And so if they didn't hit their goal, they, and in the beginning, they, they, they made, mentioned that it was easy. But then as they became more and more successful, they had to work more and more hours because they to hit their 10 rejection goal. And uh, I was like, holy mackerel, you know that. So I used that on the radio interviews when I was trying to get radio interviews. I said, I'm going to make 10 phone calls today. I won't stop until I get 10 rejections. And I did that. And, uh, and you know, it, it worked. I, I was on 150 radio stations. Uh, I spoke to, I don't know, 50 million people over the course of a a year and a half. And, um, and so, you know, that, that started the ball rolling. And I started to see, you know, I started to gain some momentum, which, which really started in 2013. And then the Yahoo hitting it, you know, it's, it's like the, it's like I got yanked out of my cave and and thrown onto a stage, you know? So that was, that was interesting. That was fun, but it was validation for all my hard work really. And the habits got me there. If I didn't have those habits, if I didn't have the writing everyday habit, the reading everyday habit, the getting up a quarter to five everyday habit, if I didn't have all these habits, uh, I wouldn't have had the opportunity for opportunity luck to manifest itself. I created the opportunity for good luck to occur because of these habits. And that's what the rich habits are all about is you engage in them. and Yeah, it's boring. And yeah, they, they don't produce immediately. But they, they create the opportunity for good luck to occur and uh, for me, it, you know, it just so, so happened to ha- uh, be in 2013.
1: Notably, 10 years ago in 2013, Corley found himself amid a challenging season in his life. If he had met himself at that time, he has already a message to share to his younger self.
0: Oh boy, I, I, would, I would say you're on the right track. Don't stop. Everything is going to be validated. All of your hard work is going to be validated. And you're going to be rewarded financially, but it's not going to be immediate. So don't look at, uh, you know, the money. Don't focus on the money. Focus on adding value to the lives of others. And you will be rewarded. That's that's exactly what's happened. As people, I have uh, more and more people follow me. Uh, I have... Uh, more and more people buy my books. I get more and more emails every day. It's uh, I, I, the stories that I hear from these people about how their lives change because of my research is validation for me that I'm on the right path in life because we're, we're all supposed to add value to the lives of others. How we do it is, you know, up to us. You know, I I chose my I use my my finance skills and my writing skills and my 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 books and my, you know, my blog and, and all these interviews I do to help add value to the lives of others and, um, and I would have told myself, yeah, you're on the right track, don't stop what you're doing. You're actually doing everything the right way.
1: Now looking towards the future, Corley shares the next goals flying for him on the horizon.
0: I have one remaining dream. Uh, And that is to become J.C. Jobs. J.C. Jobs is a main character in uh, my book, Rich Habits, Rich Kids and uh, Effortless Wealth. wealth. He's the main character in that book. He is the ideal future version of Tom Corley. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing until I become J.C. Jobs. And even I suppose when I do become J.C. Jobs, uh, and I know specifically in my mind, I have an idea what that that encompasses what, what it would be to be like JC jobs. I mean, I wrote the character. I know what exactly what he's all about. I think that's what I'm most excited about is continuing to, um, to uh, this journey until I can become JC jobs and be one of the top personal development experts in the world, be recognized as such. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm not the, you know, I would say, I would say when it comes to habits, I'm I'm, the, I'm in the top 10 in, in the world uh, in terms of uh, being a habit expert. But uh, that's uh, not what I really intended. I wanted to help people improve their lives and, and go from being poor to rich. So that I'm going to continue doing that until it's become JC Jobs. And I'm going to continue. I think um, the last uh, 10 years of my career, I believe will be my highest earning years. So I'm going to, stay healthy, keep doing what I'm doing and in 10 years from now, I'm I, my guess is uh, my life is going to be much better, even better and um, it's just uh, going to keep doing what I'm doing and helping people.
1: As what you can expect from a brain expert, Corley expertly explains how luck, intelligence, hard work and having a clear vision all come into play in his pursuit of success.
0: I think luck manifests itself in every successful person so i'm going to say that you have to be lucky as a prerequisite to being successful and wealthy you have to be lucky except for the saver investor saver investor millionaires there's four types of millionaires the saver investor big company climber virtuosos the experts tiger woods the roger federer's those type of people surgeons you know and then there's the dreamer entrepreneurs so except for the saver investors you have to you have to uh, be lucky. Now th- I'm not talking about just random good luck. I'm talking about opportunity luck. You have to create the opportunity for luck. So you have to keep your mind focused on, on some blueprint, some, some blueprint that you have in your mind. I like call- to call it dream setting. So, I, I mean, I, I would say like, I, if you write a script about what you want your future ideal life to be, uh, then you might have, a a better chance of manifesting the kind of success that you want to have. Uh, but it's um, it's a combination of, of things. You, I think uh, what I learned from my research is, uh, particularly with the dreamer entrepreneurs, their IQs uh, were about 15 points higher than when they started out. And that was because of all of the uh, learning that was necessary. So I, I think when you pursue dreams, your IQ grows. We know that. We know that. It's a fact. Your IQ can increase. Uh, the, the brain is malleable. It's plastic. Uh, it has plasticity to it. I would like to say, you know, hard work ethic. That's, But I, I don't want to turn people off because um, I believe if you pursue a dream, you automatically gain a hard work ethic. You could be the laziest person on the face of the earth And yet you decide I'm going to pursue some dream. And then next thing you know, you're working 15 hours a day. So I think hard work ethic is hardwired into all human beings. It just has to be exposed to some dream or some goal that you become passionate about, something you become passionate about. Having a clear vision of where you want to be, say, 10 years from now or 20 years from now, is more important than intelligence, more important than work ethic. Uh, uh, It's more important than, than who you know more important than luck. I would say that's the key. Start out with a vision and then uh, pursue some dreams and goals. Your destination, in order to get from point A to point B, the, the that that distance is what's embodied in that distance are dreams that you realized and goals that you achieved. So the difference between point A and point B are dreams and goals. So you, you have to have that clarity of vision. The that end in mind in order for those dreams and those goals to manifest themselves. And they will automatically, they'll pop up out of nowhere. They'll say, Hey, you need to do this, Tyrone, uh, or you, you need to pursue this angle or you need to meet this person. Uh, it, it just happens. It manifests automatically just by virtue of having a clear vision of your destination.
1: Thank you to Thomas Corley, our guest on this episode of Property Investory.